0: Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo.
1: Welcome to Your Creativity, the podcast that keeps doing something. Anyways, today we are here with Steve Conlon from Ogden's Own Distillery. Steve, thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. Happy to be on.
1: I'm hanging with a couple of Steves. Yeah, it's yeah. Steve squared. Steve squared. It, Steve, I did a lot of researching on you yesterday. Uh-oh. I did too. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, okay, first off, you worked for the frickin' IRS when you were like 20-something. It,
0: yeah, that's what brought me to Utah, which is crazy. Yeah, so I was twenty-something. I'm trying to think. I probably started when I was 19, and worked for about three years, four years for the IRS, and I was doing computer systems development, working on a project. The first half was in Austin, Texas, which is where I lived, and the second half was uh, in Utah, in Ogden. And uh, my I was supposed to come out for uh, two weeks. That turned into two months. And two years later, I was still living at what at that time was the Ogden Park Hotel in downtown Ogden. And I kept a place in in Austin and was flying back and forth every month. And I was living large for a a 22, 23-year-old punk. If so,
1: and it was Ogden on the top list of priorities because you were also, no. I mean, in Boston, you had other cities that, I mean, you, seemed pretty hip and stuff. And then Ogden, <laughs> like Ogden popped up there oh, and I'm cut. sure it was like on the list of everybody wanted to go there. So did no. you, were you like demoted and that's why you were sent to Ogden? So now,
0: now I'm nervous, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so,
0: um, now the, you know, what happened was the first half of the project was implemented over the summer. And so I spent time in Philadelphia, in Boston, and back in Austin, and then back to, and then I came out to Ogden for the first time. And uh, that, no, it wasn't the plan. It wasn't. You know, I always say life is what happens when you're busy making plans. And I did not intend to be here. And in fact, I hated Utah for the first six months. I was miserable. And then one day it just kind of clicked, and I went, ah, this, this is the place, not to anybody <laughs> um, but yeah there was something about I met the right people and I I realized there was a another culture here than the one I'd kind of been in at the IRS and um, I decided to go back to school it was the main thing that kept me here I wanted to, I didn't want to go back to the University of Texas because at the time it was a hundred thousand people and I wanted to go to a smaller school so Weber State is where I I went because I wanted to be the big fish in the small pond instead of the small fish in the big pond it was really um, I talk in cliches, evidently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I
1: like that story, too, because, yeah, of any school you could go to. Um, You chose Weber State, and I like that because I think one of the podcasts I listened to yesterday, you talked about that. And, you know, it was more just the symbolic of, I think all these students think, well, I need to go to the bigger school. It's always, bigger is always better. And I like that you found the uniqueness at Weber State, and how you could shine from that.
0: Yeah, and you know, maybe it was just fear of competition. I was going into journalism, and um, I wanted to be a photojournalist, and I knew like Western Kentucky at the time was a big photojournalism school, so was Texas, so was, um, was University of San Francisco, and there were, you know, some University of Missouri um, had a great photojournalism program. And uh, I thought, oh, I, I'm not talented, okay? I'm, I'm not talented. I, I've crafted my skills, but I wasn't a talented photographer at the time. And so I thought, well, Weber State, nobody wants to be the photo editor of the newspaper at signposts up there. So I can, I can do the job and learn the skill along the way. Whereas if I'd gone to another school, I would have been just somebody else trying to compete for those positions. And so there was a method to my madness. Uh, and plus, I was pretty ingrained at that point in Ogden and loved it and had a lot of friends, and the living was cheap at the time. And, yeah, so here I am, 25-something years later.
1: Do you remember your favorite assignment from
0: the signpost? Oh, gosh. You know, you know, it's crazy. Like, Weber State hosted the NCAA's first round back then. It was the last time they ever did it. So, you know, there were um, – uh, Jason Kidd was playing there in college, and Wally Serbiak, I think, is his name. And um, you know, there were Jim Boheim's Syracuse was there, and and that I remember great crowds from Wisconsin playing, and and just being in that that NCAA excitement in in at the D Event Center was pretty amazing. Um, you know, I, I moved on to the center examiner from there um, up in Ogden. I got to cover the Jazz, and I went to the NBA finals two years in a row um, when the Jazz were playing the Bulls. And so those times were pretty special. You know, there, I mean, to be able to say you you shot John Stockton and Carl and, uh, Malone and, and had... Um, um, What's his name? The tattooed guy, the Rodman. Dennis, Rodman. Dennis Rodman, fall on your lap. And I mean, things like that. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, I also covered, you know, the first transition of BYU and Utah being big sporting programs up in, uh, I went to the Cotton Bowl and I went to the Copper Bowl with Utah. And so sports, sports are my thing. Um, you know, those stick out in my mind um, as far as great, great experiences. Doing that job. So.
1: And then you transitioned from there. Like I know you did mortgages.
0: Yeah, well, you know what happened was so I was working at the Standard Examiner, and at the time um, I was the assistant photo editor. Um, This was probably 97, 98, and I was making, I think, $22,000 a year. Okay, and I was getting to do a lot of fun, cool stuff.
1: But from the IRS job, you know where to put that 20-something thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh,
0: you know what? It was, uh, it, it was not a lot of money. I'd worked at the Standard as an intern for $1,000 a month for a year before I got that job. And uh, so I lived on $12,000 um, for the previous year, which wasn't a lot of money. Especially coming from the IRS, where I was making pretty good money at that time, um, I actually left the IRS as like a GS ten. I mean, I was I had done really well there for a very short time period, and um, I I had a friend who was in real estate, and I saw him making like what I was making in a year in a month. The market was hot, and so I went and got a real estate license, and I started working with him, and uh, just because. I was i was needing the money and so i left the standard examiner to go chase real estate dreams which of course timing's everything right and you the market kind of flattened out and and uh, i was doing okay i was getting by and everything but then i somewhere along the way I, I met somebody who did mortgages and my aptitude for the mortgage business was much better than it was for the real estate business and i about 2001 2002 so it was actually probably right before the olympics i I got my mortgage license and and transitioned into the mortgage business and I was very successful at it. I had a my own office and everything was a broker um down on twenty fifth street of Ogden and um yeah i I did that until like two thousand and twelve so
2: and that's when you got involved with Ogden's Own Distillery?
0: Well, I'd gotten involved with Ogden's Own Distillery in 2009. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, well, actually, There was
1: a meeting in July in 2000 say, and something. So, 2008, so seven.
0: 2008, yeah. Well, um, yeah, the history more... You probably listen to me and Tim talk about it on our little podcast, huh? <laughs> um, so, yeah, what had happened was um, Tim Smith, whose idea it was to start this company, met with me in um, July of 2008. And um, we decided at that point to explore it as, a, as an idea.
1: How did you guys and know each other just from?
0: Acquaintances. Yeah, i had only met Tim a handful of times before. And we, uh, I had my office on 25th Street, and he had been in my office a couple times. He actually worked for a mortgage company as well. And I knew him through another loan officer that worked in the same office with him. And he showed up at my office one day and just kind of said, hey, I've got this idea I've been trying to bring to market. I was wondering if I could talk to you about it. And we sat down and and chatted over lunch one day. And I didn't see, um, well, I was grossly naive about how hard the business is. And I thought, eh, how hard could this be? And so I called up some friends of mine that I having a mortgage company, I knew who had money that had done loans with me. And so I called up several of my friends and I said, Hey, kind of got this wacky idea. I mean, none of us know anything about the alcohol industry, but who wants to take a risk? And the next thing, you know, um, we signed paperwork in April of 2009. So we're nine years into it pretty close here. And we had underground our first product on the shelf in um, August of 2009. So it took about a full year from the first discussions, but we didn't really get rolling until April. There were some some false starts um, as we were going through it. One thing that happened was the mortgage crisis of 2008 hit in October. And so all my friends who had had money suddenly had less money, including myself. And so we all had to take some time and really evaluate whether we wanted to take the risk of jumping yeah. into this. So it,
1: I, I know that it, people don't like to talk about the tough times, mm-hmm. but I kind of wanted to talk about the tough sure. times because I I, um, I run a business. Uh-huh. And I know, and you and I just discussed this, that sometimes business is a mirage and you know, there's an illusion there. I want to talk about like, so when you were in those moments, Like, what struggles did you go through? I mean, did you actually think, all right, we're going to not even do?
0: Um, No, you know.
1: How low did it get?
0: You know, I think I had some personal lows because I'd come through that mortgage crisis. I like to tell people, one day I was looking in my bank account, and I'm not bragging or uh, this is is just facts. I looked in my bank account, and I had $117,000 just sitting there. Three days later, I had seven, okay, because I had had some risky investments. I had had some mortgage loans go bad. I'd had all this stuff happen all in 2008 when the market just tanked, and that's a sobering experience, and then not only that, the bank account is $7,000, and the mortgage market that drives your income is frozen. You can't write loans. No no banks are lending. What did you Uh, do? Um, you know what, uh, we hunkered down. Um, I sold a car. I, I made it through type thing. I just did whatever it took. I took some photography jobs. Um, I, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And luckily, I, I had no debt, luckily, um, other than my house. And I was able to keep up with that. I just and I kept plugging away on the mortgage thing. Like I said, I didn't close my mortgage company until 2013. I think it was early 2013. So I survived it. Um, I was in a situation where I could generate a loan a month and survive because I just had tightened my belt. Um, I moved. I closed my office from 25th Street and I moved to my house. My processor worked in one of the bedrooms. I worked in one of the other bedrooms, and I had my bedroom. But you know, you just do what you've got to do. And uh, it was, I mean, there. Were, I remember a couple days where like things were getting really tight and, and I had a Porsche at the time, um, a 2005 Boxster. And I just kept thinking if I can just get somebody to buy this damn car, I can buy like four more months. And then finally somebody did. But the funny story about that is one day I go out um, and I'm trying to clean the top off because it's convertible and I'm trying to get it nice and shiny. Mm-hmm. And I hose it off and water ran in under the seat and fries the computer under the under oh, thing. Oh. So here I am trying to, I've fried my, you know, it's a port, it's probably a $1,500 computer that sits under the seat where water gathers, you know, so much for German engineering. That was probably the lowest day. I'm like, just what, the, how the hell am I gonna get through this? You know, but I mean, first world problems, right? You you're trying to sell a Porsche. How bad can it be? Yeah. You know? And so, um, it would just, you know, I guess what I'd say is when you say it's an illusion, sometimes when people are, um, successful, it's fleeting, it can be fleeting. You have to protect it. And it's fluid. Yeah, it's fluid. And and we joke that we're, I told you this on the way up, we're like the richest, um, or the poorest successful people, you know, We got into this business not knowing a dang thing, and we got in undercapitalized, and every day, we're nine years into it, and most people look at it and say, you guys are wildly successful, and we are. We're doing good, but we're nobodies in the liquor business in the grand scheme of things, and we are every dollar goes back into making product, buying bottles, buying labels, and And so we're just your average business guys. You know, we're out there just doing it and we're doing it for the payoff. We hope comes down the road. But and and as long as we keep growing, we stay really positive about it and stuff. But we're not uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Just like you know, high west just sold for one hundred sixty million dollars back in October. Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. You know, that's, that's what we're successful. That's wildly successful, Yeah. you know? And I'm sure up until that point, they were all, they were doing the same thing. We were, they were just putting the work in and, and we call it working the plan, just keep working the plan. And, uh, so that's what we do. And, um, and there are hard times like, you know, when, when you, um, when you're undercapitalized in business, whether it's the mortgage world or whether it's um, anything, you have to make the right decisions. You ha- you know your decisions are very important, because making the wrong ones are just they're just throwing money out the window. We before we started, we talked a little bit about Sundance, and uh, you know. Anybody that's in a business around here knows that Sundance comes with their hands wide open. Not the organization Sundance, but all the people up there.
1: It's the independent lounges.
0: Yeah, the independent lounge. They just want your stuff because they're going to give you that magic thing called exposure. And we learned after a year or two that that exposure doesn't go very far when all of your um, people. Doesn't pay payroll. Yeah, when you're being exposed to people who live in areas that can't buy your product. Like, yeah, they may have a great experience, but it's just money that leaves... You know, they just... They they drink their free booze, in our case, and and then leave the state. And so we've decided along the way that we'd rather put our time and effort and energies and dollars into just supporting local stuff, and that's what we do, you
2: know. You sponsor one of my favorite things. What's that? The the Drag Brunch. Oh,
0: yes, we do. We've been doing that almost... I think it's coming on two years now. Yeah. Yeah. How,
2: How did... You two come together. We interviewed Jason okay. a while back on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I
0: love Jason. So, you know, this is funny. Do you know Harriet Winston? I do not. So Harriet Winston is a drag queen. Um, and I met Harriet at St. Patrick's Day. He was Miss City Weekly um, in 2016. Yeah. 17, 16, 14, 15, 15, 2015's Miss City Weekly was Harriet Winston. And as part of being Miss Harriet Winston or uh, Miss City Weekly, you get to be um, in the St. Patrick's Day parade with um, the City Weekly. And so I was just walking with the City Weekly. We have a great partnership with them and uh, met Harriet. And we started talking after at lunch afterwards about his drag show. And I had honestly, I don't think at that point I'd ever been to a drag show. And he said, come, come check out the drag show. You'll love it. And so I did. And I thought, well, you know, here's a great little niche market, very niche market that we're not involved in, that we're not support that, that can use support. Um, And it's so much fun. So why why the heck wouldn't we be (laughs) involved? And so I think we started with a really small dollar amount sponsoring them. I want to say it was like a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it was really low and they were really happy to have that because it's not something that's corporate sponsored at all. Um, And so we got involved and now. um, Harriet kind of turned it over to Jason about a year ago and. Uh, Jason's continued it and and blown it up. You know, instead of doing they were doing one show a month when we got involved, and now they're doing four, f- four five, six, eight sometimes during yeah. Christmas, and and it's I just go, just go and see it one time. You'll laugh your ass off and have a good time, and um, it, a lot of it's for me now is the joy of seeing other people having fun there. You know, I love I just love going, and I I've been to probably. I, I would guess 40 drag shows at this point now. <laughs> I try to just go once a month now. Um, i been to four. Yeah, yeah, about four of them <laughs> yeah. since we
2: had them last year. Yeah, um,
0: it's a great time.
2: And, and the name, of Five Wives Vodka, uh-huh. that's kind of irreverent, so it's a good good fit for that. How did the, the name for the, the vodka come together?
1: Yeah. And how many wives do you have?
0: I have none, and I never have had one. So... Um,
1: Tim's the one pulling all the wives.
0: Tim's got one wife, his only <laughs> wife, his first wife, as far as I know. Um, um,
2: Sometimes guys with first husband, first wives try to forget about them. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, the name came about. It was really so. I have a friend who um, lives in. She lives in Chicago now, but she was from St. Louis originally, and she was a photographer. At the um, Deseret News years ago, about the time when I was doing photography, and we remained friends over the years. What was her name? Carmen Tresser, um, and yeah, so this was back in the '90s. You know, we she had interned at the Standard Examiner when I was work, or when I was at the Signpost. I mean, this we go way back. So we've remained friends over the years, and her family lives in the Midwest. And when we started the business, um, her and her cousin i believe wanted to distribute underground in the missouri area in the st louis area uh, it, the laws were really simple there and they could basically run a distribution out of a out of a, a storage shed and so they did they were just kind of dabbling with it literally selling underground out of this trunk of their car in the st louis area and doing okay with it and so i went out to visit and kind of do a market visit with with them and and get everything kind of um, just to see how it was going. I mean, it was still an education process for us, too. And we're driving around, and I said, you know, we're thinking about coming out with a vodka. I just don't know what we'd call it. And we went into a store, and she's looking at the shelves. And, you know, at the time, Three Olives was kind of hot. And, and there were some other brands, and there was 360. And... Um, I got back to Utah and about five days later um, my phone rings and I pick it up and she goes five wives and I said five wives what 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 are you talking about (laughs) she goes five wives vodka and I said you know I like the ring to that let me let me play around with it and so I started generating labels I, I mean I bet I went through 35 different labels and none of them were sticking with me. Like I had this like sensual lesbian scene on one of them. I had five, we had kind of a Charlie's Angel, five modern brides kind of looking thing. We just ran through all these types of things. And then I was searching the internet just trying to get ideas and I found the image of that we currently use. And all I knew about that image was on the side it said circa 1895. That's all I knew. And I was able to And it was about the size of a postage stamp when I found it at 72 DPI. Oh, wow. So we were able to to pick it. uh, uh, So I I designed the label based on that name. And then we had some discussions. And, you know, um, you talk about business being tough, you know, and deciding on things is like we had some internal discussions. Dialogues about that label. Some people liked it, some people didn't, and we had to, you know, battle it out about what's the best way to go, and and we're we're glad we went the way we did. But well,
1: not only internally. Then once you actually started producing, you had the whole battle with Idaho.
0: Correct. Yes. So for those of you who do not know, we were banned in Idaho when we first released.
1: Was it somebody named Jim or something? Adams or Anderson? But. The, the Liquor Commission in Idaho just didn't like you.
0: Mm. Yes, they found us not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously did not have a sense of humor. No, no. Um, yeah, um, for those of you who haven't looked very closely at our label, uh, every woman there has a little kitten in her bustle. And, um, you know, people always ask me, did you guys put those there? And it's like, no, that's how we found that image. They and just
1: it, like cats.
0: Yes, we love cats, um, the play. Um, <laughs> the, but the, that image really, we found out, you know, much later that that image is um, the Barrison sisters. And they were a vaudeville group. And they would literally dance around. And at the end of the show, they would yell out to the audience, do you guys want to see our... Um, things Donald Trump likes to grab and <laughs> their cats. Yes. And they'd whip up their bustles and they'd have live cats in a pocket. And, and so that's an image <laughs> of them with their, their kitties. So, um,
2: I will never look at the label the same
1: way. Again. <laughs> you know, it's a little interesting. that The, I don't know the if liquor commission f- from Idaho knew that whole story. That seems a little fishy to me.
0: <laughs> I don't know if they knew that at the time. Um, you know, and I don't know if the Utah Liquor Commission noticed it until Idaho brought it up. Because we got a call like a week later saying, if we asked you to change your label, would you? And I said, no, we wouldn't. We'd find that a violation of our First Amendment rights. And they said, well, we had to ask. So to their credit, they've never said another word about it. They've been highly supportive of us. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun being in the liquor business. You know, we... um we, we try to have a lot of fun. We don't mind pushing buttons a little bit. We're not trying to be offensive to anybody, but we want we want to be lighthearted about the place we live in and 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 also um, you know, we, I sometimes I think we're bringing back some history people don't know about, you know, like with our Madame Paterini Jen, you know the the character Madame Paterini was Brigham Young's thirty fifth child who happened to be. Uh, his son, who's who was a cross-dressing opera singer. You can't make that up, and 99% of Utahns did not know that story until we put it out there. Uh, and so, you know, we we like doing that.
1: And that actually makes our culture richer as opposed to, like, you know, diminishing the value, the religious value. I think... I see that that actually enriches all of us. Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. I, I th- Yeah, I, I think it makes the well let me put it this way i think mormon culture and this is just me spouting off so don't throw darts at me i think mormon culture today is more rigid and more conforming than it w- was back then and that if you can bring some of this stuff to the forefront it almost normalizes the the rest of the people in a way so for instance drag shows may seem weird to people who are going to church in this time and place on a Sunday. But yet, the guy who started the young men's society was literally a drag, a drag performer. Okay, so, you know, you can do with that what you want, but at least it should be out there for people to consider. That's what I make think. their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's just suddenly, it's not so weird, you know, go to 40 drag shows, in a two-year period, drag queens won't seem so weird to you anymore. (laughs) 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 It still can be disconcerting when they come up and give you a hug and rub their unshaved face across your cheek. (laughs) But but other than that, it's cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, when you're tipping
2: them and you... Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's a little rough.
0: But other than that, it's all good. So. so
2: we've kind of touched on kind of separately on what each one of the main products are. Mm-hmm. Can, can you just kind of go through the lineup and? Sure. Firm?
0: So we make five wise vodkas, and we make a regular vodka, a cinnamon vodka we call Sinful, and a vanilla custard vodka we called Heavenly. Um, again, that's just some some tie into the religious culture that we is predominant around here. Um, And then we have Porter's Fire, Porter's Peach, and Porter's Apple, which are flavored whiskeys. Um, The Porter's Fire is a cinnamon-flavored whiskey. And Porter Rockwell is kind of the, not kind of, he's the the namesake on there. And for those of you who don't know who he was, he was the first territorial sheriff of Utah. He was uh, what they call a member of the Danites, basically um, the enforcement arm for the Mormon church in the 1800s. He was credited with killing over 200 men in the name of um, the church attempted to assassinate the governor of Missouri. He was um, just known as a um, a guy to be wary of, I guess, is the best way to put it. And um, he kind of looks like Rob Zombie or a lot of people will tell us he looks like, uh, was it uh, Mitchell that kidnapped Elizabeth Smart? So, you know, but it's but it's. Uh, Um, it's Porter Rockwell and we made underground, which is our first product and that's an herbal liqueur kind of in the lines of a Sambuca or Jägermeister with that black licorice anise flavor. Yeah. And then Madame Paterini gin, which, uh, just came out this last year and it's made with some, it's a, it's a gin, but we've rounded out with, um, lots of citrusy flavors. So it's got bergamot and uh, Nigerian ginger and Sicilian lemons and cardamom oh. and juniper in it so those are our main
2: and those you can get those in uh like 13 is it 13 different states or
1: is it more than that i you know everything's a number it's so. yeah. you have a distributor out of california that distributes to like 29 different places
0: yeah they're called um high time wine out of costa mesa and it's h i time and uh, not h i g h um <laughs> But they, um, yeah, they can go, they can ship to about 26, 29 states. The laws are always changing in every state. So sometimes you can ship in, sometimes you can't. Um, all of our products are available in Michigan. and then, Yeah, why Michigan? You know, um, distribution is the biggest challenge in the alcohol business. And so, for instance, Five Wives is available in maybe five or six states. Underground was with a company called Total Wine & More, which is a liquor ch- chain with 120 stores, and that put them in, that put Underground in like 25 states through them. Um, Porter's Fire is only available in Utah and in Idaho. And so it, it really every product has to be accepted into the market in different ways. Some states have DABC type Organizations, there's 17 of those states, and then the rest of them, you have to have a distributor who wants to take on your product and try to sell it. And so every state is its own battle. And you know, we always hear people go, "You guys should be nationwide." Yeah, we should be. It's it's. I wish I wish it were that $5 easy. A bottle. Instead of yeah was, yeah instead of this, and so you know, I like to let everybody know that when a company had wanted us to go into Texas with. I think it was five wives in underground at the time. That's all we had. They wanted $500,000 for an annual marketing business, bu- um, um, budget. And so that's the kind of support that these you companies can demand. sell your Porsche again. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I need to start a pyramid scheme or something, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's the challenge is that, uh, it's not as simple as just putting it out there um there's battles for shelf space and um you know and there's i don't i don't know the exact number but i last i heard it was over 1400 micro distilleries in the u.s now and so heck there's 12 or 13 in utah and so as you but they actually
1: you actually mentioned this too because when you started there was only one and it was high west West and then you and um, you talked about like the obstacles of learning from all of that and how mm-hmm. everybody's coming for advice from you.
0: Yeah, we do. We get a little bit of, of that. Um, I think more so. I like have you guys ever seen the, the lone, the, the dancing guy, the lone dancer where the second I think they call it the, the lone nut and he's dancing on a hillside and a second guy gets up and dances with them. Have you guys ever seen this video? No. Look at it, look it up on YouTube because what happens is there's a lone crazy guy at a festival dancing and everybody's watching and laughing at him and then the second guy gets up and starts dancing with him and that gives everybody else permission to jump in with the crazy guy and suddenly everybody that was laughing at them is now on the hillside dancing with them and it's a video about how important it is to be the second person because that gives everybody else permission that was us. We are the crazy guys who were second enough that now everybody goes like, if those dumbasses can do it, anybody can. Lone <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah,
1: dancer.
0: Yeah, it's a great video if you haven't seen it. It's, it's pretty short. It takes, it takes place in about 45 seconds. It goes from one guy to this explosion. It's great. So, um, so, no, I think that in a sense that that's what has happened is we showed everybody that it could be done um, high West showed us that it could be done and, uh, and they did the hard part as far as on the legal side and all that. We, it was pretty simple for us to follow in their footsteps. Now they did it much differently. They started with roughly, um, I think $4 million and they raised another 3 million and it turned into 160 million. So good for them. They did it right. We started with much, 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 much less. Like, yeah, i yeah. <laughs> so
1: $20,000 credit card,
0: you know, um, not much more than that. Yeah, we started, you know, with less than six figures, I will say that. And so um, yeah, and we've bootstrapped it all along the way. We've never taken money from anybody or anything. And and, and so we're, it's just a whole different business model.
1: Where do you see yourself going from here? Like, what's the next step? Yeah, like maybe short-term plan and then long-term vision.
0: Yeah, we're going to start um, working on growing out-of-state. Um, we're have we nine years in Utah now, and um, we still have a lot of work to do in Utah. And we're going to stay focused on the home market, but I've actually just hired another employee whose um, focus specifically is going to be building out-of-state business. And um, to get back to your question about Michigan, it fits right here, is that we picked to go into Michigan because it's a fairly easy state to get all of your products in at once. What we learned along the way is that when we got one product in total wine or we got five wives in Nevada or we've got underground in Missouri, that the cost benefit of going and supporting those markets is very difficult. But when you have eight products there, it becomes much more affordable because now you have the potential of selling eight different products instead of one. And so Michigan... Um, somebody reached out to us there. They said we want to bring all of your products in, and it just seemed like a good test market for us. And so, uh, we're going to start growing um, that. We're going to keep really, you know, we we love Utah, obviously, um, and uh, this is where our community is. This is where the people we love are. This is, you know, everything.
1: You're going to move back to Austin, aren't no, you?
0: No, 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 no. Have you been to Austin?
1: Austin is not that bad of a place.
0: Austin's a great place. It's just not the Austin I left. What was
2: the Austin you left? You know, the the
0: Austin I left is the Salt Lake of today. Seriously. Salt Lake today has the feeling of being just on the verge of something big. That's how Austin was when I left it. Now, if you talk to my uncle, he'll say, you should have been in Austin in the 60s when it was really cool. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And, and a lot of places were cool in the '60s, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Austin was a great place. It, I, I love, I love it. But now it's got, it's got growing problems. I mean, it's got traffic that's really bad. It's got, uh, it's become more high end. You know, there was, uh, it, it was completely different place. I mean, the downtown area now is, is like a small Chicago. When I lived there, it was one street. It was Sixth Street. Um, you know, everything else was warehousy, kind of like Salt Lake. I mean, I'm serious. It Salt Lake feels a lot like Austin did then. And you know, the only thing that was is, was really different at that time was the, the musical talent. You know, it was still a big music city here. We have some great music. It just. And I'm not trying to put down the music here. I'm just saying that back then, like on a Thursday, I could grab the Austin Chronicle, like the, the version of the City Weekly there and there would be over 200 bands playing on a Thursday night. So you just the choice was amazing. But as hey, far here, as feel... Yeah,
2: yeah, on a Thursday, that would never yeah, happen here.
0: Yeah. But the feel of Salt Lake and the vibe and, and the energy and the people doing stuff, you know, like podcasts and and, and everything, there's a real passion here that was there at that time. Um, I think it's just not totally focused on music like it felt at in Austin at that time.
2: And... So. You are a musician.
0: I'm not. I, oh, I'm just a fan. Okay. Yeah, I love. Were music. you
1: involved with music
0: there at all? No, okay, no, no. I don't know. You could we're... play the cowbell
1: if needed. I <laughs> not well, but you yeah, yeah. Play
0: it. I mean, not if rhythm is required.
1: <laughs> <laughs> After a few vodkas, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There there everything sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah.
0: Do not get me in on karaoke. No, no, that's not not my thing. Okay, yeah. I, I misread. I, there is thing. a. Um, musicians need fans i know my place i'm a fan, yeah, I'm a fan I, too. I love music but um yeah i don't sing i can barely keep rhythm and i yeah so that's a dead-end street <laughs>
1: <laughs> but looking back over your life and over all the experiences that you've had mm-hmm. could you say that some of those hardships actually made you who you are now you know, and five wives, yeah, who for sure. Is.
0: You know, I would say um, one thing all the businesses I've done, you know, from IRS to photography, which the photography was actually journalism. You know, for me, I was working for newspapers um, to uh, mortgages and um, real estate. It serves me every day I pull from that arsenal. Like, you know, I just did taxes. For the company yesterday. And to me, taxes aren't scary. They're, you know, the IRS isn't scary. None of that's scary. You know, we're considering um, buying a new building. We're looking f- possibly for new space to expand a little bit and getting on the phone to a real estate agent. I speak the language. I know it. Um, doing, you know, uh, graphic design and stuff is something I've really had to teach myself. I had a little bit of a background just from you know I learned Photoshop doing f- um, photography and making you know edits that way. And um,
2: graphic design's tough here. there's a, there's there's a lot, lot of people of, yeah. a lot of people doing it. Yeah,
0: And so I mean, I, I pull from the arsenal of my, my background. So in a way, if I think about like hard times made me change my, my path, then for sure it served me well. Um, the background I, I, I do. like when we got banned in Idaho. I knew how to do a press release that would get me on the Huffington Post within a couple hours. The Today Show, yeah, the Today the the Show, NPR, N- 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 you know, USA Today. I knew how to do that, um, or at least I had an idea. I may not be. I uh, there's uh, there's a book I'm listening to right now, and and the author refers to um, a thing called a talent stack. He says you can have a talent stack. Certain people have talent stacks. You may not do any of it awesomely, but you have the ability to do it at least. What's
1: and I think, book?
0: um, I don't, you know that I want to r- okay. recommend it because I don't think it's that good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but look for talent stacks. Oops.
0: No, it's actually, it's Win Bigley and it's, uh, Scott Adams, the guy from Dilbert that did Dilbert wrote a book about, um, patting himself on the back about how he predicted Trump would be president um it, it's okay you know go
1: but that you there is yeah. lessons from it
0: there are certainly lessons and and the book is geared towards teaching you persuasion cuz he thinks Donald Trump's a great persuader and i kind of don't agree with the premise right off the bat so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: He's amazing. Yeah. He's so amazing. He, he
0: is
2: president. So sad. Believe me. So sad. <laughs> he persuaded me not to vote for him. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't want to get political. But, I just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, but it's... Yeah, it's an interesting book.
1: It, looking at people that, that that are coming up or that are going to listen to this, like mm-hmm. my mom, uh-huh. maybe, maybe Dylan's mom, What 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 word of our, advice our do you listeners. have, like a secret to success, or what would you tell other people?
0: You know... I would tell other people that there are days where you just got to put one foot in front of the other, that life can feel so overwhelming and so just not knowing what to do that you just have to put, you you have to just put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes you just have to grab a piece of garbage and put it in the the trash and then grab the next piece and know that if you keep picking at it, you're going to have everything cleaned up, you know? That, that's sometimes the hardest thing. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, it sounds cliche, but you got to trust your instincts. And you've got to um, do what is passion, makes you feel passionate about things. Um, as well as do what interests you. I, I, to me, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old. And, um, my life is fun. It's a good time. Doesn't mean it's not hard work. It is. I, I will guarantee you, I work as hard as anybody and I don't mind that because what I'm doing is fun and it's, and, and I'm doing it for hopefully a $160 million payoff down the road. That would, that would be the dream, right? I don't think that's anywhere in the near future, but I, at least I have this big dream to be chasing and, um, and if you can do that and have fun and, and not be just everything, be a grind, I think life's more enjoyable. I also think that life is meant to be an experiment that um, and, in, and that experiment is in gaining experiences. And so I love getting to do something new or experiencing new things. We were talking earlier about Sundance and to me i've been to sundance many many times and that experience is past it's just not it doesn't doesn't excite me you know my next thing is i want to i want to put on a film festival okay that's a new experience for me it's related to the experience of sundance and i can i can go up there and, and pull ideas from it they've been around for years but i want to do my own and and i may fail at it i who who's given me the right to do a film festival You know, I have. That's that's how simple life can be. Sometimes you don't
2: need anybody's permission.
0: No, no, and a lot of people are just waiting around for permission to do things. I just do them. I just do it, and um, I think more people should be like that. Not be worried to fail because you're going to fail at a lot of stuff. Might as well fail at stuff you're crazy about or, or, um, you know, willing to take a chance on. Now, I will say this. I say that with the caveat that I'm single with no kids. And so if I fail, I'm not screwing anybody's life up. You know, I, I can bounce back. I can I can live I can tighten my belt and live through a mortgage crisis because I don't have much other responsibility in that regard. And so that's a luxury that I I do admit that a lot of people don't have. And uh, so. Don't go out there and say Steve Conlon on a podcast said I should go do that because please and consider. I'm gonna go do that. Consider <laughs> your situation is different than mine. <laughs> but you know, for me, it works. It, it works, and and there's, you know, it's funny because I sit here and say my life is fun. Doing taxes yesterday was not fun, right? There, I don't want to say everything's rosy, but picking up it, the garbage isn't yeah, always fun. Yeah, it's there's. It's not just gummy bears and unicorns, you know, it's, there's hard work involved, but if you're working towards something you, you care about and you're having fun along the way, then, you know, I think life's pretty good. So
2: now it's time for my bonus question. Oh,
0: extra points.
2: Yep. Your favorite Muppet and why? Muppet? Muppet. Oh my God! That includes Sesame Street. Any, any Jim Henson <laughs> creature, Muppet. I consider a Muppet.
0: Um, gosh, Kermit the Frog jumped into my mind right off the bat. I, I'm not sure why. And then um, Gonzo became next because Gonzo looks like he's having a good time.
2: Gon Gonzo's yeah. mine, yeah.
0: Yeah, he just you know, um, yeah. Gonzo's having fun, so that'd probably be mine. Yeah. But I'm also a pretty good cookie monster. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love sweets, so yeah. Yes, Steve's a
1: pretty good cookie monster. Yeah, I might be a cookie monster. Yeah, have I asked you this question? What's your favorite Muppet? Yeah, you asked me, and I'm like too dumb to even know all the Muppets. And so I I'm, yeah. I'm like the cranky yeah. old dudes right. like up in the balcony yeah. that just sit and critique You're everything. You're
0: asking the single guy. Like,
1: I'm single too. So yeah. like, so like, I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm the cranky old dudes up in the balcony just criticizing everybody else's performance and not really contributing. That's me. Those are my, up, up there with my favorites too.
0: Yeah, I... They popped into my head, too, but I wasn't willing to admit I'd gotten there yet.
1: <laughs> oh, I jumped. I, yeah. I took it. <laughs> Steve, okay, so just to ending it, where can people find you?
0: Me personally? Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, luckily, I have security at my building. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> we know um, the code. We can no, get you So
0: in. Ogden's Own Distillery, we're up in Ogden, and um, we do have a retail space up there. It's 3075 Grant Avenue. And then um, we are out and about and all over town all the time. Um, Go to a drag show, we're, you know, going to be there. We're out sponsoring a lot of events in town. And so, yeah, always feel free to come up and say hello. And we love meeting people who are, um, I don't want to call them fan, customers. I mean, we love meeting the people who are supporting us because that's really what's happening is when you're buying local, you're supporting local people who really like to support their local community so it all just comes around what comes around goes around type thing i know again a cliche but it's true
1: i didn't even hit on the what the fuck salt lake sorry oh like, yeah i didn't even you're okay so you even have yeah. like a, a podcast or a series with it's wtf yeah. slc
0: yeah so wtf slc is something that um paul duane who's a local personality i guess is the best way to put him is um he hosts that
1: but it's your baby.
0: Um, his and mine. Yeah. I shoot it, um, came up with the concept and I do a little commercial in it for our products. And then the city weekly partners with us and they distribute it through their distribution channels, um, like their emails. And then we, we put it out on Facebook and it's, we shoot it every Wednesday morning right here in this little space. And then, um, usually it's out by Thursday afternoon and it's basically a seven day calendar, the upcoming Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday about things going on that we think people should be aware of. Um, And sometimes things that we don't think people should be aware of, but we want them to know that it's happening. So for instance, this Friday night, LA guns is playing at liquid Joe's it's on our calendar. Like (laughs) that's a quirky thing happening in salt Lake. And so we just throw out the the quirky sometimes, or, um, you know, and then there are other things we are huge fans of that. We want people to know that, Hey, we want you to go check this out if you can. And, and then, um, sometimes it's stuff we're sponsoring, uh, but it's just our fun way of, of getting the word out and it's, it's done with lighthearted humor and we put bloopers at the end of it because we we're not professionals of any sort and just have fun with it. So, yeah.
1: Now, thanks for all you do for, for all of us, for Salt Lake.
0: Well, thanks. We, we enjoy it. You know, we, you know, we love giving back and, and doing what we do. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, Thank you very much
2: for coming right. on. And everybody, we'll see you next time. Peace out. The podcast is done, man. (laughs)